Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 132. Uh, I cannot believe that we've already gotten 132 episodes of this podcast out. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Anyway, I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang, the person who is shocked that people still click listen, even though they're not our mothers. And I'm joined now by my two co-hosts who only their mothers can love. Matt Smith. Good afternoon. Happy Easter. And Treg Wilson. Good afternoon and happy Easter as well. That's right. It's our happy Easter episode. So hop. Hoppity hop. Nobody's wearing bunny ears, but they should. You don't know that for sure, Blake. Well, I can see you on the Zoom call. Uh, there's no. Yeah, but I may not be wearing them on my head. Yeah, fair. Good point. And stop! Don't don't no. Leave the I'll camera the up. Leave the I'll camera the up. Pictures. You don't want to be. Hey, you don't want to be pulling a Jeffrey Tube in here. Leave the camera up. There you go. Got bunny ears uh, and a baby carrot. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's episode, we have a special guest coming on in the second segment, and that's Grant McCag of Recruits.ca. He's going to join us and talk about. Uh, the Laval Rocket, some prospect talk, uh, Cole Caulfield will be joining the Laval Rocket soon, and how the Canadians' prospects have looked thus far in Laval. Uh, obviously, Laval's having a good season, and there's reasons for that. We will get into that in the second segment with Grant. In this segment, the first segment, it's going to be the three of us, the uh, Habs Unfiltered Originals. And the we're going to go the trident we're, we're going to use nautical terms for the uh, the zoomy here so, sorry go ahead. Go ahead. you're a top gun though you are a top thank gun. you appreciate that 
I want you to uh, wear je tight jeans, aviators, and go shirtless for one of the episodes. Do what I can. <laughs> We're going to do volleyball shots. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah so just say, I, I just came inside from playing volleyball, boys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> where are your, uh, your dog tags to, would you? I can, do yeah. the, I can definitely do that. Just for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Black Aces, who, uh, who was probably going to be called up. Some talk about the trade deadline that's going to be coming up. Uh, we're going to follow this up next week when we have Lyle Richardson come on the show. And a, a little bit of COVID talk. So let's just start it right off with the COVID talk. The Canadians came out of their COVID protocol. Uh, they've done extremely well so far, dominating both Edmonton and Ottawa. As we record, it's Saturday afternoon at one o'clock Atlantic time. They're going to be playing Ottawa again tonight. Um, in this post-COVID break, the Canadians have looked extremely good. So the COVID talk that we're going to bring up is the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you. What is like, your view of what's going on in Vancouver? Right now, it doesn't seem like the situation is going very well for the Canucks, both on the ice and off the ice. Um, the, uh, the Canucks, uh, a lot of names were just named to the, uh, to the COVID protocol list. Uh, I'll, just name, I'll read them out really quick. Um, this is as of last night, and apparently there's more, there's more coming, including coaching staff. So as of right now, we've got uh, Alex Edler, Adam Gaudet, Travis Hamannick, Braden Holtby, Quinn Hughes, Zach McEwen, and Antoine Roussel. And apparently they have uh, determined a variant, and apparently they're not doing very well. So um, let's hope for the best. Let's hope that they're going to be back to back to health. No long-term uh, effects of this uh, of this uh, disease, and um, hopefully they'll be back on the ice soon. Like this is. It's a, a growing realization that's, uh, that's out there. And um, so far, the North Division has done quite a good job at containing it. And the NHL has had their bumps along the way. But, uh, you know, the more cases that are coming up in North America are, are starting to, or in, uh, in the North Division is starting to get a little bit frightening. And uh, hopefully it doesn't lead to, uh, to more shutdowns within uh, organizations. Yeah, it seems it's the Brazilian variant, and it's causing a lot of um, a, a more harsh response uh, physically for some of these players. Uh, the, the news is coming out as we speak, but apparently as of this morning, more than one player has been affected negatively by this. Up till now, the COVID... Um, the, the physical responses to the co uh, to those affected by COVID have been, for the most part, not as serious as what you would expect for the, the vast majority of people. I mean, these are young, healthy individuals, professional athletes. Uh, there, there's an impact, but it's not, it's not as serious as a lot of people in the general public have been hit by. But in this case, apparently there's been um, the doctor visits to their homes to provide IVs. There may be more to it. Uh, it it's, it's, a, it's a situation in flux. We're not 100% sure of everything that's going on, but this is what's coming up today as we speak on this episode. Uh, so, Treg, what is your take of what's going on there? 
So before before Treg talks, there's another report that just came out on Global. So it says seven of the players and one coach were confirmed to have tested positive earlier on Friday. And Global News has learned that an additional five players and two more coaches have also received a positive test. So that would be 13 players and three coaches now. Okay. Well, that's Trent, pretty much, that's that's pretty much almost the entire the team. Whole, almost. The, almost the whole team, yeah. So. Um, like Blaine said, the last report I read, there was trainers and doctors going to the homeless to give IVs because they're uh, so dehydrated. So uh, it's the, I heard it's the Brazilian uh, variant. I think you already mentioned that there, Matt. Yeah. Uh, I, it was bound to happen in the north. It was happening everywhere else. It seems to have calmed down in the other divisions. I think the central and the western. Anyway, one of the two divisions were getting hit hard near the first of the year. Uh, I truly believe this is going to affect the schedule at the end of the season, and I don't think we're going to fit. I don't think all fifty-two games or fifty-six games are going to be played. Um, I listen. I no joke. Uh, there's no joking on this. This is pretty bad for the Vancouver Canucks and their players. Uh, I think uh, you're you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on. Montreal had one player really test positive, and I don't think he really had it many. I think he had the symptoms, but no, uh, he wasn't. I don't think Armia. Well, I mean, put the name out there. We know who it is. Um, I don't think he was very sick with it. At least there was no reports coming out that he was in bad shape or anything. Uh, but this one here, it's, it, it's looking pretty bad for some players. Uh, all the best for them. I hope they uh, recover quickly. And uh, and it'd be interesting because we don't know what the long-term effects are for COVID. So in uh, hockey, as we all know, is an endurance uh, cardio sport. So um, my thoughts on this is really it's going to impact the season because 13 players – they're going to be shut down for quite some time. Montreal had a 10 game shutdown or 10 day shutdown. I can see this being a couple of weeks or more. Uh, and if that's the case, I don't see them getting the games in. I mean, Montreal's already playing 20. Uh, they don't have to play Vancouver anymore. So it really doesn't affect them except for the other teams they have to play who do have to play Vancouver. So uh, Montreal already has what, 22 games in the next 40 days or something like that. 43 or, days. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Vancouver just would have to play almost every day to get the games in if they missed at two weeks. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's a sad thing to happen, but that's that's what we're dealing with right now. And again, I'll reiterate uh, what happened in Montreal uh, because some uh, douchebag uh, so-called reporter decided to be a dick about it. Um, players are not in a bubble. They are just like you and I. Uh, they got to go grocery shopping. They go grocery shopping. They got to go. So don't sit back and think that somebody was out partying or doing whatever and not caring. Uh, I, I'm not saying that isn't the case, but more than likely uh, the case is, is someone's wife went out and got groceries and something happened. And she and could back. have got uh, she or uh, one of her, one of her friends who went and got it for them, brought whatever. it back, were asymptomatic and it just happens. Yeah. yeah. And uh as we know, we've all played sports. Well, I don't know about Matt. He's a Zoomie, so I don't know what they do. They play volleyball a lot. It's mostly volleyball. Uh, yeah. Beach volleyball. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and you're in that locker room. There's not a lot of room between. There's no six, There's no, not much room for six feet apart. So, uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's, Montreal was lucky that it was one person and it stayed with one person. Uh, so 
Yeah, that's really all I have to yeah. say. Yeah. Now, that. in Montreal, there was a uh, there was um, some criticism of how they responded to this. You know, the the hard shutdown, sending everybody home, isolating. There was one positive case and a possible exposure, and they put them on the COVID list right away. So Armia is the positive case. Katkinami was the possible exposure. Yeah. Everybody was sent home and told to isolate immediately. They, uh, they tested everybody for several days. They waited the incubation period before they were cleared and they were able to come back with the exception of Armia, who was the positive case. Now that level of uh, that harsh response seemed to have paid off because the Canadians are back and they're playing again. Did this, you know, uh, perhaps they didn't follow the same protocol in Vancouver it's possible they did and it's still spread because these variants are highly aggressive. And that's the reason why they went to that harsh uh, response in Montreal is because Armia has one of the variants. Uh, the rumor the was South African one. Yeah. The rumor was the South African variant. So you can't be too careful with these new variants, especially now when we're so close to getting people with the, va- get the vaccines out there and get this taken care of. If we can get all the vaccines done, these uh, these variants will stop popping up because they're not mutating as quickly. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But um, there's there's definitely going to be an impact on the schedule in the North Division. Oh, Dev, I, I mean, with all these possible cases, there's absolutely no way Vancouver can play games. I mean, if Montreal got shut down for 10 days for one player, uh, they have 13 and like half their coaching staff. So, and we've got to th- we've got to remember that their AHL team, um, they're not available. Yeah, that's right. They're down in the states, so they yeah. would have to isolate for 14 days. Yeah, like Sad. they've already started bringing back players like uh, Guillaume Brisebois that was playing for Laval. He's been he did he sat out last night because he's getting called back to the team. But with that many players out, facilities shut down, etc. He can go back there, but he's not going to be – he won't be playing any games anytime soon. I don't see Vancouver playing any games for at least two weeks. It's going to be a while. I really don't. It's going to be a while. I really don't. It's going yeah. to be 20, 14 to 21 days you'll see yeah. before Vancouver is able to play a game. Especially if we see, as I, as I said from the from the report from Global, um, you know, Quinn Hughes is already on that list. Holpe's already on that list, et cetera. Like, these are some impactful players, and it doesn't really matter who's on the list. It's – it's not a good situation for the team right now. And I agree with you. It's going to be very difficult to get all those games in. Um, They had to really fuck with the schedule just to put Montreal's games back together. The only thing that's really going to work is if they stick to the West coast and only play say Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg or something and not continuously make that Eastern trip. Well, and that's possible. I'm not sure how many games they have left with Ottawa and Toronto, but they're done with Montreal. So there's one team they don't have to worry about. What's going to be impactful, and it's going to kind of a positive side for Montreal, is they're going to have to go by winning percentage near the end of the season. Uh, That's right. Unless, of course, Vancouver's already out of it. If Vancouver's out of it and the games the other teams play don't really matter, maybe not, but it could push the North to set up win percentage-wise, depending on how many games difference there is. If it's one or two, I don't think it's going to matter. But uh, If it's as bad as as what it could be, though, 
if this is as bad as what it could be with Vancouver and they miss an ample amount of time and they can't get those games in and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads, which, which COVID very well could happen. We might be looking at the Canucks not playing for the rest of the year. Now, even if they play more games or they don't, they'll go by the points percentage as Treg, you mentioned, but it's not about the playoff positioning in their case. It's about where they're going to draft. Yes. That's the impact. Yeah. They're still going to finish one, two, three, four, wherever they finish on the list. And well, uh, I'm talking league wide too. So now it's going to have to fall no. to the entire league. No, I got that. I'm just saying yeah. like, if, if the season ends and say Montreal has 52 games, but Edmonton only got 45 and Toronto got 56, you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to, for playoff positioning, you still got to look at how you're going to do that. Cause you can't go by points. Because if there's like a four game difference between Toronto and Edmonton and there's only a three point difference, that make that's a big impact. Because if Edmonton were winning those yeah. four games, they're they're ahead of the I'm just using those teams as examples, but they're ahead of the Leafs. So you kind of gotta look, but you're absolutely right. The winning percentage I think is gonna go for drafting regardless whether they finish all the games or not, anyway. But because uh, there's gonna be some games missed for sure. For sure, for sure. And uh but as a playoff thing, that what I was getting at was depending on how many games difference and points difference. So, I mean, if it's two games, but you're six points behind, it's really not going to matter because you're no. not going to catch up whether you win those games or not. Right. So, but we'll see. And the way the Canadians are playing right now and they're sitting in fourth, they've got five, six games in hand on everybody behind them. They're about three or four games in hand for everybody ahead of them. Yeah. And they're only a few points off. So the Canadians could plausibly move into second place with all their games in hand. And their, their winning percentage, if you want to go that way, they're actually in third. So yeah, I don't think it's going to go winning percentage for the final standings for the playoffs, but it's a possibility. Now, as painful as this COVID talk has been, what's more painful is Nicks and cuts when self-grooming and you need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code unfiltered20. Always use the right tools for the job. Men, start taking notes because it's time to reduce cuts on your nuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is the third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology so you can keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments and provides you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. When I tell you it's premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to shave in the shower as well. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer has changed their lives. They even included picks, not you, Treg. So I can key, see the smoothness for myself, and they aren't kidding. So please stop sending me picks. 
You need to try this out for yourself. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code unfiltered20. Always use the right tools for the job. So moving on from COVID and manscaping, we're going to talk a little bit about the impact of the trade deadline on the North Division. So the Canadians have made the first move in picking up Eric Stahl. So they've, they've set the chessboard up and they went with a center. There's a couple of weeks left before the April 12th deadline. Obviously, Toronto is already in the market for another forward. With Beaulieu out for the remainder of the season with surgery, and Winnipeg Jets were already looking for a defenseman. Clearly, they're in the market for a defenseman. Edmonton, who knows what the hell they're going to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with you, Treg. Who's, who do you think is going to be the first one to make a move and what are they going to do in your opinion? I think it's going to be uh, Winnipeg and I think they're going to make a push for Vince Dunn out of St. Louis. <clears throat> um, with Bulio out. I mean, Bulio and uh, Winnipeg's defense was always suspect all year. That was going to be their weakness going into the season. Uh, fortunately for them, they have Connor Hellebuck who – basically makes the defense look better instead of the other way around. Um, and with Bulio, who wasn't having a terrible season, he was playing fairly well with uh, Winnipeg, considering. Uh, they're going to, I think they need another, they need a top four defenseman. I don't think Bulio is playing top four minutes, but uh, it gives them an excuse now to get a guy to probably to put in their top four. Um, Dunn's the name that comes up to me. Uh, there's other guys out there. Uh, Savard, I think, from uh, Columbus, I believe he's with. Um, John Merle's another guy that uh, comes to mind. But uh, I think they're going to go for Dinsman. I think Toronto's going to go for a big fish, and I don't think they're going to get them. I think Toronto's going to go after Taylor Hall, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's always about a big name in Toronto. They all yeah. have to be – everybody wants to go there. It has to be the big names. Otherwise, it's a failure. I mean, I'm going to – in all honesty, I think – Toronto's playing some pretty good hockey. I don't think they really need to put another guy in there, but uh, they're still going to try to solidify that lineup for the playoffs, um, which they do not have a playoff lineup, if you ask me. Um, and Edmonton's probably going to go for a winger like they do every year because they have no wingers to play with uh, McDavid or Dreisaitl. They have to put them together all the time. And when they don't, Taylor they Hall. have no one to <laughs> Possibly. Um so uh, I think Montreal is finished. I don't think Montreal is going to do any moves. I really don't. And if it is, it's just to free up cap space. It's not going to be to uh, really bring anybody in. I know everyone wants the puck moving defenseman, but I don't think Montreal is going to do that. I think Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa are all sellers because I don't think they're – Montreal got five games in hand and they're four points ahead. So it's a – both teams got to play pretty much at an eight to 900 pace – if Vancouver plays at all, uh, eight to 900 pace, just to catch up to Montreal. If Montreal keeps playing at the pace they're playing now, which is 609. So that's okay. uh, what I think. What about you, Matt? Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, it's Vancouver right now. Like the, the trade deadline's coming up, I think on the, what, the 12th or something, right? So 10th or 12th, 12th, I think. 
and um and um like vancouver's pretty much out of it right now they, they won't be able to make any deals or probably not make any deals um and they're not really a team that i believe that was ready to make a lot of moves anyways they've got to resign hughes they get to resign Patterson, etc and most of the guys that are on the roster now are staying there i think um pearson was like the guy that they need to sign um but, but if i'm in a if i'm gonna throw out a deal i'm thinking winnipeg as well i think they're gonna try to go for a defenseman um it depends on what kind of – if they want to go for a big fish, um, I could see them – they've already made a deal with Columbus so far, so I could see them uh, possibly looking at somebody like um, like uh, like Savard and seeing that um, a guy like Perot is making 4.1. I think Savard is making 4.5, 4.25, something like that um, for, for the rest of the year. Yeah, 4.25 for the rest of the year. I could see that being a, a possible trade and then Winnipeg giving up more as well to make, to facilitate that trade, give them, give them prospects, give them picks, et cetera, et cetera, or, uh, or, or something in that line and, um, and, and try to make that deal happen. Obviously Eckholm's name's out there and um, Winnipeg has lost a lot of defensemen over the last few years. Bufflin chose not to come back. Um, they lost Myers, they've lost uh, Truba, et cetera. So bringing in a bigger name like Ekholm would, would make sense. Um, but I could see it being Savard. If they were going more of just somebody to bring in to replace Bullia, you never know. Maybe they would talk to the Canadians and, uh, and talk, about, uh, talk about somebody like Mete or Willette or um, Leskinen or something like that. Just somebody to bring in to fill, uh, to fill a position. Yeah. Um, I don't, Vancouver seems, uh, we talked about them right off the top of the show. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything from this point on. No. Uh, I, I honestly feel like their season's done. And even if they do come back to play games, it's probably not going to be in time for the deadline. And if, it, even if it is, it won't give the other Canadian division teams a chance to really assess what they want or put together a deal for any players coming out of there. And they'll probably be a little bit risk adverse and not want to bring anybody out of Vancouver anyway. So I think they're, they're pretty much out Calgary. I can can see maybe like a picks prospects type thing, like guys that aren't specifically with the team, but even then it's a reach. Who's going to want to make a deal with Vancouver, like just for picks and prospects, like basically telling this player, go, go home and sit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we'll talk to you guys at the draft kind of thing yeah yeah um calgary the you guys you guys mentioned it right away they're they're pretty much they gotta they got really gotta put together a hell of a winning streak and hope other teams just tank to have any chance at the playoffs at this point um i can see them wanting to move on and try and rejig a little bit from the, uh, the Goudreau era. So Johnny hockey, and he, he hasn't had the season they were expecting of him. So I can see them wanting to move on from there, but it's, that's too big of a move at the deadline. Maybe a Sam Bennett will be traded out. You can see Bennett move because he's, he played, he he fits the playoff mold right now. He's he's struggling right now. And even under Sutter, he's struggling but he's a playoff mold type guy. Yeah. He's going to, he, he finishes his checks. So go to the net, et cetera. 
And he's and the kind that, of player that, that I can see Toronto going after for the trade deadline. Yep. Yep. Paying a heavy price to get him because that's what they're missing in their lineup. They want that depth, uh, for, that forward depth. And to get that, you got to pay for it. And he's the kind of player that you need in the playoffs. So I can totally see Toronto going after that. And but you know that's not what not what the media is going to talk about, though. They're talking Taylor Hall. They're talking um, Granlin. They're talking um, all these bigger Nate names. McKinnon. Right? Yeah. Connor yeah. McDavid. Yeah. Uh, the, the the knock on Gaudreau, you mentioned going to the playoffs, is he's too soft. Like, yeah, teams will want him on their team, but not for a playoff push because no. – I mean, did you see him last night, buddy? He was he actually cringed at some guy who looked like he was going to check him? I mean, it's just he's just too too soft. Um, I do agree. I think in the off season, Calgary is going to look at moving him, um, but no one's really going to take Goudreau. Well, it's not right like now. Goudreau dove after a slight bump no, in an overtime no, game either. No, it, hey, if I talk to a lot of Leafs fans, and uh, Austin Matthews was that, uh, I think he almost broke his back. That's how bad that check. He almost broke his back. If he didn't have a, if he did have a spine, it might have been broken. Almost broke his back. I, I could I'm see the stretcher. I could see that. Ottawa being active. Yeah. And, uh, and who are they, they going to move? Who who are they, they going to move though, Matt? They'll just they'll they, just bring in. They don't need to though. They can just they can bring in. They can uh, they can bring in. They can be a, a team that facilitates moves. They've got all. They've got some cap space, and they can just, take advantage of it. I, I like I, I can see what you're saying, Matt. I'm just looking at their team, and it's already all their young guys playing. They're I not said they don't need but, draft but, picks, but they don't need they don't need to give up anything. They can do they can do what Montreal did and be like, we'll give you this prospect. Yeah, take and cap you, space, and, right? And, you, and I'll we'll bring up we'll bring yeah, your cap space yeah. in, right? And and they could because uh, they don't they, even they really have a bad contract, Matt Murray maybe. Uh, Matt yeah, I would off. say so. Yeah, probably. Well, they also have guys like Dezingle and Tierney that they can trade off, yep. eat some cap. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so th- these are depth guys. They can sell a couple of pieces for some mid-round picks. They're more than likely. Coburn, maybe. Coburn to Winnipeg yeah. or something like yeah. that, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Edmonton, I, I can agree that they're, pro- they're probably looking for a winger, but they're so hard against the cap. It's a dollar in, dollar out kind of situation. So if you want to bring in an upgrade, yeah, what are you giving to, up on top of that? The thing is they need to sign a lot of players because they still yeah, need to sign yeah. Larson. If they want to bring Barry back, they got to bring him back. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, and then, you know, you go to uh, Kyler Yamamoto is going to need a contract, et cetera, et cetera. Like when you've got two players making 20 or 21 million bucks combined, now, it's something to keep in mind, though, is that the salary cap is going to stay flat for probably three or four more seasons after right. this one. And they need a goalie, so, too. And so the, the flat cap is going to impact uh, player valuation when it comes to dollars, yep. especially for UFAs and, yep. and, future, and RFAs. So, yeah, the, the guys like Nugent Hopkins, who make $6 million right now, if, if they're expecting a big pay raise, uh, don't hold your breath. Uh, a rumor has it Edmonton's already offered him a five-year deal. I'm not sure what the the money is, but I don't think it's much more than what he's making now. He's making um, six mil as it is. Yeah, I think it's six and a half to seven yeah. is what I think it is. Which is but, uh, a fair deal, really, for the kind a, of player he for, is. 
Yeah. And this is, uh, we're getting on to something different here, but this is where it's going to look at bridge deals for RFAs are going to become a lot more popular over the next couple of years. No, no, you don't bridge players, not star players. I mean, what kind of, (laughs) well, kind of horrible GM, terrible human being gives bridge deals to players. What a horrible well, well, look at Van- management like, plan. I brought up Vancouver earlier. They've got Quinn Hughes <laughs> and Patterson both coming up. Yeah, they're getting bridge deals. Right. And yeah. are they going to are they going to say can't afford not to. But are they going to say to Quinn Hughes who offensively fantastic player, defensively terrible. Uh, not so much. But is he going to be a guy that they're going to offer a big big contract? Is Patterson going to be a guy that they're going to offer you know, uh, eight and a half, nine million dollar contract. If you're going to be gambling on long-term deals with these younger guys, you're going to be gambling on the side of lower money. So this is where you you get the high value contracts like uh, like McKinnon's deal that he is currently on. Um, if if you're certain that this guy is going to become a number one center, such as Pedersen, yeah, you try and get him on a six or seven year deal lower cap hit if you're not sure yet then you give the bridge deal Uh, Quinn Hughes is a guy that I would definitely give a bridge deal to simply because like you mentioned his defensive game isn't quite there yet and it's probably going to take a couple more years for it to get there that's right but I think he will get there and have the right person with him that's right we've seen we saw like um, for instance like um, Eric Carlson right Eric Carlson phenomenal phenomenal offensive defenseman but he always had somebody on the defensive side of the puck, mostly Mark Mathot, to really help him out. Cody Ceci later on. Right. And then and then after that, like he went to San Jose and we don't really hear about him as much now. And he makes, you know, eleven, eleven and a half million dollars. Um, speaking of contracts, you brought up uh, you brought up uh, McKinnon. I think two of the best contracts in hockey right now are Barkov and Huberto. They're both making five point nine mil. One yep. for Barkov for two more seasons, Huberto for three more seasons. But those are guys who uh, they took a gamble on and that's gave right. those deals to. Yeah. At the time, they thought, oh, geez, that's a little bit rich for where those guys are at. Yeah. The the value for those contracts comes in the final two, three seasons if you get a five- or six-year deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the, and that's why when we bring it back to the Canadians on this, Kotkaniemi, Suzuki, those guys are going to get bridge deals. They probably There's, will. They probably will. Because well, that's, the MO. Will. that's the yeah. MO for, yeah. for Bergevin. And with the way the cap is going with the flat cap, they don't have the space to keep a competitive team or take that next step to be a cup contender if you're paying those guys the 6 to $7 million right away. So you're going to try and save some of that cap by going the bridge deal route. Yeah. Um, so and I it's think worked for Montreal pretty- in the past with Gallagher and Pacioretty. Gallagher and Pacioretty got Subban, team-friendly deals. Price. And Subban, I mean, Subban eventually, price eventually went to nine and ten and a half million, but yeah, that was three years later. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the Canadians do moving forward. Their defense for the next year, contract-wise, is pretty much already set. They've done some very good things with their uh, with their offensive group, and you know they're going to have to make this, like a tough decision to see who comes back, whether it's Tatar, Deneau, Kakaniemi, Armia, Lekkinen. You know, the list goes on and on at forward. Even Corey yeah. Perry. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so we'll leave it there. We'll, uh, we, we covered quite a bit of ground. Um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back after the break, we're going to be joined by Grant McCagg of recruits.ca. So stick around. We'll be right back.
Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Today. Not a real product, mate. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use if you're healthy, if you want it loyalty, buy a dog. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. We are joined now by a special guest, Grant McCagg of Recruits.ca. Welcome to the show, Grant. Hey. So it's been a while since we've been online together. Uh, yeah, I missed it, boy. Yeah. Been Jones and... So we figured I, I figured let's bring you on. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the Canadians' prospects and Laval, considering how well Laval has been doing this season. Um, good. Unfortunately, I had to, you know, bring Treg along. Sorry. Yeah, I, if you'd have told me that ahead of time, <laughs> I would have found uh, some wallpaper to, uh, to put up or something. <laughs> <laughs> we just send him pictures of us flipping him off. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so to uh we may as well just jump right into it um the laval rocket have been killing it this season uh there's no playoffs unfortunately if there were they would be a favorite for the uh the calder cup for sure uh but we've we've been seeing the work that joel bouchard has been putting into these young prospects now that the canadians prospects are coming up so with that youth movement starting to arrive can you give us, as someone who's been watching them very closely, a little bit of a background on some of these players? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think this is the most exciting, uh, you know, rookie cro- uh, crop that they've had in a long time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Yelonen's out right now, but uh, he's really been impressing this year. It's funny, you know, you look at it and a veteran on the team now is somebody that's been there three years, you know. There's so many... Uh, first and second year guys in the lineup like any given night it's at least half the lineup and that's uh that's pretty exciting that that, that they've developed that much already um you know only a two-year span under Bouchard so it's very encouraging the uh you know the Sylvain Lefebvre days are, are long long you know in the rearview mirror and uh and it, I think you know in his defense at the time there weren't a lot of uh top 90 guys getting uh getting drafted and going through the system so yeah he maybe didn't develop a lot of guys but he didn't get a lot of 
top end guys to develop either. So um, Joel came along at the right time, I think, and he's doing a great job. And uh, the crop is really uh, developing nicely in the team. It never hurts when the team's, uh, you know, playing well. I think this is the best team that they've had in uh, at least a decade. So uh, you, you want a winning atmosphere throughout the, throughout the organization, you know, not just with the Canadians, but with the farm team. And that, that's really starting to happen. Now you you mentioned you mentioned Yelonen. Uh The reason he's out, if people haven't seen the hit, uh, it was it was reminiscent of the uh, Pacioretty hit, where he kind of went into a stanchion as he was getting hit. Um, before that, though, uh, he was showing quite a bit of speed, an excellent shot, and some good offensive reads. But to move up to the next level, he's going to have to play some defensive hockey as well. Did he? meet that requirement do you believe i think he was playing pretty well defensively uh it's funny his you know i was asking uh joel about his his father who he played with in phoenix and uh, he said yeah, he was a defensive centerman first and foremost so certainly you know he's got the he's got the coaching on two ends there right uh, not like galchenyuk who got the you know got told by terry and to back check and got told by his old man to keep doing what he's doing you know it's uh, it's it's at both ends with with Yelonen because his dad, uh, I'm sure, will be stressing the uh, defensive end of things as well when he had the, you know when he's giving him that fatherly uh, coaching chat. So uh, yeah, I, I thought he was coming along fine defensively. Um, you know, he could probably use another five ten pounds, like you know, get up to Trage's size there, and then he then he'll be all set. What, f- uh, five foot nothing? <laughs> uh, I meant, uh, you know, girth. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. he's, but, but, he, but he's wide though, so he can cut down the angles and throw <laughs> those right. elbows out. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, five foot, those. five feet tall. You don't need to add a lot of weight to make it wider. <laughs> <laughs> I see where this is going. We, we love you. Oh, yeah. We love you. You're you're our favorite Smurf. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the size of Caulfield. Okay, I'm five eight. <laughs> that's not that's not saying much, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tower over. We had five nine, so. <laughs> uh, so another prospect that uh, Habs fans have been clamoring to see called up is Ryan Paling. Now, Paling started the season off pretty well. He had a little bit of an injury, came back. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a breakdown of what you see from him this season? Oh, I hate giving breakdowns, but sure. I'll, uh, I'll give it my best shot here. Um, he's playing great. Perfect. <laughs> but he has shown he has shown good speed this year he's he's yeah, no, he's I... crashing towards the net he's got some good speed do you feel that uh by the end of this shortened ahl season he should be a call-up for the uh, black aces oh yeah i would think so I, especially if i don't know like you're saying they definitely aren't has it been a, officially said that they aren't having a playoff Patrick Will Williams this morning said on Twitter that they're looking at scheduling. They might schedule the playoffs, but nothing's been officially canceled. Yeah. I don't, originally at the start of the year, I know that they were yeah. saying it's just yeah. not going to happen. But, yeah. but uh, he tweeted something out today or yesterday about they're looking at maybe doing a playoff. So. Yeah, 
I, you know, I think they're probably going to try to do something. You would think. I sure hope so. But uh, I, I, that it's dependent on that, right? I mean, if the AHL ends up having a playoff, Laval's in the running for uh, to go yeah, all the way. So right. do you do you call up Paline? In you know, in that yeah. circumstance, it's it's hard to say. Uh, like he's kind of the number one center now in, in Laval, and you know, do you break do you break the momentum that he's gaining? And uh, I think the plan has sort of been from my understanding is to keep him there all year if they can and let him just, you know, fully develop and come back next year and win the spot and just go from there. But, uh, you know, certainly he'd be, he'd be a great black ace if they don't have a playoff, bring him up and maybe even get him in a few games. I miss the old days. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys are old enough to remember, but eighties, nineties, when they'd, uh, you know, 93, uh, they called up, they must have had 30 guys that played in the playoffs that year. You know, Demers would bring guys in and out like he had no issues at all dressing rookies. If there was a couple of guys that vets that weren't playing great, bring them in. And I mean, it that energy that the kid brings when he's, you know, he's full of adrenaline. Get wow, my first playoff game uh, and they, they play like lights out. And I'd love to see the, the, the organization do that again, you know, unlike in the past when. They trade for Steve Ott and King and, uh, you know, they don't give any of the kids a, a one playoff game and just play all these slow uh, check first uh, conservative players uh, in the playoffs and, and not bring in any rookie energy at all. For me, that was a big reason why they won in 93 was because of that. Uh, they have those guys in the organization right now. And if they make the playoffs and uh, they're called up, I'd love to see, you know, Yelon and uh, Caulfield, Palin all get at least some action in the playoffs when Armia invariably uh, starts to suck again or whoever whoever's in the lineup. I'm sure there'll be somebody in the third, fourth line that's not playing up to snuff. So, yeah, I mean, Palin's speed. To Trevor uh, pointed it out to me, uh, you know, a, a month ago or so when we were talking about him, just that he's noticeably faster this year. I think uh, unlike the previous year when he went to Florida, you know, when COVID first uh, uh, struck and stuff and maybe didn't work out as much as he should have and then didn't get a, a single playoff game because of it, I think. He, uh, he dedicated himself after that and got himself in really good shape uh before january and, and it's paying off for him now that's also part of a maturation process where younger players who things have come a little bit easier to them start to notice that at this level they don't yeah for sure i had a great interview with him in in the in october november and he you know he seemed to have seemed to get it that he has to be more consistent and play hard every night and then things will start to come. And I think we've seen that, like his, uh, his confidence level since the start of the AHL season is just, you know, once he scored that first goal and then came back from his injury, kept working, and then the points started coming, he's just, uh, he's creating on a nightly basis. And I really think that they're going to try Caulfield with him. He, like he's setting up plays every game that should be buried. If, if he's playing with Caulfield, that's going to be, I think I'm going to prefer, you know, if a Montreal game and a Laval game are on at the same time, I'm probably going to watch the freaking Laval game. 
Do you, uh, just to throw in there, Blaine, for Paling, do you think the three-goal game against Toronto kind of went to his head going into the next season last year? Well, I asked him that, you know, and he's, well, maybe subconsciously, you know, this and that. Uh, I, I have said that, you know, maybe that was the worst thing that could have happened to him in a, in a you know, roundabout kind of way that yeah. thinking, oh, well, I've got it, you know, I've got a spot sewn up. Especially when he, uh, I guess when he said he, you know, he admitted that when he was sent down that he didn't think that they should have been. Well, he had a concussion and he played like one exhibition game. Yeah. Start the year, KK, you know, outplayed him. He deserved the spot, so he didn't deserve it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there was a little bit of an attitude adjustment there. It was funny when I uh, I brought that up with Rob Ramage when I got a, got a chance to talk to him and uh, he says, yeah, well, he says, but would you take that back, you know? Uh, first ever NHL game, you score a hat trick mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, score the game winner in the shootout against the Leafs. Like, you never, you know. Yeah, maybe it went to his head a bit, but I mean, he's got something that he can brag to his grandkids about. Yeah, someday. definitely, definitely. I did. I just found like my, my argument for Paling because I'm a Paling fan was last year was his first real year of pro, so you kind of have to back off him a bit and go. You know, you can't base his entire career just on one game. You know, like hell. Uh, guys have scored hat tricks before that never should have scored a hat trick in the NHL, but they've got one for some reason. Um, so I found last year, uh, Brian Wiles said it best in Montreal in his 20 some odd game, he never got the puck on a stick. And if you're not playing with the puck, you're not doing anything. Uh, so I thought uh, this year in Laval was to me, Paling's most important year with the organization that because yeah, I, Andre Turinier, I was talking to him about, about it and said, you know, he should have never have played with Montreal last year. Hmm. And it's true. When he was called up, he wasn't producing and playing well at the AHL level. I think it was more, uh, you know, well, he's the first round pick. We got to look, you know, we don't yeah. want to be criticized about it. Let's call him up. Well, they took a different tack this year, you know. No, let's be patient with him. Let him truly find his confidence at the AHL level and be playing where he just, you know, you have to give him a spot. And uh, I, I really like the, the patience that they're showing with him this year. Do you think the patience that they're showing, which is reminiscent to the Red Wings of the 90s and early 2000s, do you think yeah. that this patience is born from having a deeper roster at the NHL level? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's part of it, you know. Um, uh, definitely. I think that... Uh, you can be more patient when you have, when you have good depth and that, I mean, uh, when, um, Stahl and, and Armia are ready to come back in the lineup, you know, there's already debates about who's, you know, Byron and, uh, Lekkonen are playing well now who yeah. the, you know, who the hell comes out of the lineup? Evans uh, last game was maybe his best of the year or since, you know, that shorthanded goal game that early on, I don't know which, you know, which guy do you, do you pull out of the lineup right now? And so, it, you know, that's, that's a good, that's a good pleasant problem to have. Well, and this is where uh, using the taxi squad, the way Demers did 93, I, I kind of equate the two to the same, the same kind of idea. You bring in that youth, you bring in that, those fresh legs. And by having a constant rotation, especially with the condensed schedule, 
that's going to have a larger impact on the overall uh, team play, I believe. Oh, yeah. You are old enough to remember that one, eh? Oh, yeah. I was I there. Don't, I don't hear Matt <laughs> saying too much. <laughs> and when the, when the, so in 93, I was, the, I was this many. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was in high school. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just covered. finished basic training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. What were you asking? <laughs> well, Matt had a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I've got, hey, hey, how you doing? <laughs> um, I've got one about uh, goaltending. Um, so they, they kind of came out at the start of the year and they said that Primo was going to be their guy. He either, he's going to get the majority of the games so far. He's played very well. He's picked up 11 wins, got another shutout last night. Um, the fear has been within the organization and around the media and around everyone, everyone is that if, um, Jake Allen is plucked up from Sierra and goes to Seattle, is Primo ready to jump into the NHL and be that backup to Carey Price? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe they, uh, maybe they, uh, they protect Allen and, and expose Carey Price. Is that not a possibility as well? Uh, there are people that have been talking about it. Yeah. Price would have to agree to it. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. No, uh, that's probably not, that's probably not going to happen then. Although, Seattle's not far from uh, BC, is it? His wife's from Seattle. That's, that's true. <laughs> and the wife's from Seattle, so uh, you know. But uh, if it if it happened though, if it happened that uh, they did yeah. that, he did get plucked out because right now with the the numbers he has, and depending on who else that they are able to get at the goaltending position, having Allen and you know player X as a goaltending tandem to start a new franchise would, would probably put you in a good position. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I guess it's not going to be Demchenko. He's played one, one game. That's right. So far. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, and you can always get another goalie. Right? That's right. There's, uh, I mean, if that, that's what ends up happening, then you, you get another vet. And, uh, if Primo's not ready, if Primo doesn't beat him out, uh, in camp, then you go with the other, you know, the other goalie. You get, you can always find a, a decent backup goalie as long as you scout it right, you know. That's right. And and, and I mean, it, it, there's a bit of luck involved too because you can't predict goalies. Uh, you know, Kincaid, uh, like who who would have uh, guessed that he'd have been that horrible, you know, given him what he how he played before. Scott Darling when he went to Carolina, you know, oh, there's a great pickup, you know, he'll be good. He's right. stuck, you know, yeah. but then there's the, uh, you know, Devin Dub Dubnik when he was with Montreal, oh, he'll never play in the NHL again. And then he went and had yeah. some fantastic years after yeah. that, yeah. you know? So uh, in that sense, I think uh, if it happens, yeah, um, you hope that he's ready, but if he's not, you get another, you get another backup and, and you give him another year. But uh, the way, the way he's looked in the last month or so, you know, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he could play. He could play and contribute next year at the NHL level. That's for sure. But staying on goaltending, what was the point in Demchenko? What was the point in that signing of the contract? Like, is he just extra extra depth for Laval? Like he's gotten one game, and like, does Bouchard have any plan of using him, or just going with McNevin and Primo? 
Paul, I guess maybe they weren't sure about McNiven, you know. Yeah. And uh, he, I think he's he's impressed uh, the organization in Bouchard this year, um, taking another step. Uh, I mean, you have a nine month layoff or whatever it is. You just you don't know how yeah. exactly guys are going to be if they, you know, did they train properly, uh, all that stuff and uh, extra depth. And um, I guess with COVID too, right? You, yeah. you 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 wanted as much depth as at each position as possible because McNiven could miss or even Primo could have missed a month or with COVID. So I guess they figured extra depth. Uh, one guy that surprised me a little bit, and, and he was a depth <laughs> move, I think, for the AHL was uh, Corey Schooneman, uh, the left-handed defenseman that they've been. You, they signed him to an AHL deal. And what was it yesterday or day before that he signed an NHL contract? So, uh, yeah. Do you think do you think that had something to do with uh, Harris not signing? Sure, I think that's a, there's a direct correlation there, and only one year, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, they've got that extra contract that they had uh, earmarked for uh, for Harris. You know, well, let's sign him for a year and see see what happens here and uh you know uh fallback position to a certain degree of Harris ends up bolting you know next year and not signing with the Habs so yeah he's a you know he's a very good skater very mobile uh moves the puck well um not crazy about his defensive game but it's not horrible um he's uh you know he's a decent AHL player for sure now whether he ever gets an NHL shot I don't know uh I'd, I'd put Leskin in the head of him right now. If, uh, if you wanted to call one of the two up, I think, you know, Leskinen would be the, the preferred player, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad, uh, glad they you know, that that's kudos to the pro scouting there that they, they managed to pluck him from another organization and he's the, he's looked, he's looked good. So with uh, how, He's looked, and you get another guy that's come from an AHL contract to earn an NHL contract. Bill Zill was another one. Do you see anybody else within the organization right now in an AHL deal that could possibly be the next one to get an NHL contract? Well, uh, judging by uh, how much he's playing, I guess Bissons, uh, uh clearly uh, um, Bouchard likes him at least, you know. Yeah. He went from uh, not playing the first month at all to be in you know, top three in minutes <laughs> the last month. I think uh, he's playing in all situations for them. Uh, I don't necessarily know that, you know, think he's great or anything like that, but he's a good skater too. And he's, uh, he hasn't looked bad. So wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, if, but I think contracts, there's so many draft picks to, to sign coming up and stuff. I don't know that there's any other guys that other than high picks, you know, draft picks that are going to get one of those contracts, but certainly he's a guy that's surprised. Do you see Leskinen at a Leskinen flurry work? Now Brooks having a pretty good offensive season. I think I read today over an 82 game schedule, he'd have 40 some odd points. He's on pace for 40 over an 82. Uh, and last year, Brooks, seemed to have not a very good year in Laval. Like he seemed to have taken a step back. Uh, is he further ahead? Do you think than us Liskin and Fleury or out of those three, because they're the three that people can see in Montreal more than anyone else. Uh, who is your, who do you think will, should prop or could make the team next season in, uh, in uh, Montreal? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, like Brooke. Brooke was an AHL rookie last year, so uh, you know it wasn't uh, completely surprising that that he struggled a bit. Um, and yeah, he's on like a forty-point pace without being on the top power play. You know, he's plays plays a little bit on the power play, and it's funny. I asked uh, I asked Bouchard about that early on, like seventy-five points in his last WHL season, and was one of the best power play defensemen in the league. Like, how come he's not getting that opportunity? He basically made it sound like, oh, he's not going to be a power play guy in the NHL. Like, he's only going to make it as a def- you know as a defense first guy, which kind of surprised me, to be honest with you. I don't think he's been really given the opportunity to show. He, he is, he's a very good passer. Yeah. Power play and stuff. He like, he's probably the best passing defenseman, I think on the team. And he fed you alone and he fed you alone in the other night for pretty good, pretty good pass. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, he, I saw that, like I scouted him faithfully in, in the WHL and I saw a pile of, like passes that were uh, real eye openers. And I'm, I'm hoping that he changes his mind on that. Starts putting them on the first power play, maybe with uh, Yamonen out because Yamonen was on the point on the power play. Right. Uh, I'm hoping he gets a little more opportunity that way. He's got to look at the stats and say, geez, you know, the points he's putting up without being on the first power play, maybe, you know, maybe that McKay guy was right. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's what he'd say, but anyway. Uh, out of the three, it's a good question. I'm not, Flurry's kind of stalled a bit. Uh, looked really good his first couple games and he had that injury. And, uh, since then, I don't know. Uh, um, and Leskinen, he's come along defensively, uh, but he's not showing the same, uh, offensive flair that he did when he first joined the team last year. So it's, uh, None of them are, are really jumping out at me as, as you know, oh, yeah, they got to make the team next year. But uh, Brooke has, I think, has made the most improvement. And if that continues and he keeps uh, improving on, on the defensive end of the game, certainly, I mean, I, I had him as a first-round pick in his draft year, so I've always been kind of a, a, a Brooke backer. And uh, I hope that he uh, – I think he has the most potential of those three to be – a to be an NHLer and to put up points if, if he's given that opportunity. Now, one guy that I, uh, that's under an NHL, an AHL contract that I think may earn himself a two-way deal is uh, Laval's version of Gallagher, the Lavalager, uh, Harvey Pinard. Uh, he's put, he's played extremely well in his first pro season and has played a similar game as Gallagher. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? Oh, he didn't sign an NHL deal? No. No, it was an AHL contract. Okay. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah. He'd be another guy then. Uh, you know, why didn't you just ask me that to begin with? You know? <laughs> well, I have to let them got, ask some stuff gotcha, too, right? Is this a gotcha moment or what? Nope. Nope. Okay. No, no. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that'd be another guy that, uh, yeah, I could see him earning a, an NHL deal for sure. He's, uh, he's really impressed. And, um, you know, like like I dubbed him Lavalager there. I think it's yep. it, certainly the first month. Anyways, you saw a lot of it. it maybe he has dropped off a little bit. I don't know if it's complacency. You know, where he uh, seems to be in the top six no matter what now. 
you know, he's playing every position, every, uh, every situation. And uh, regardless of whether he's really doing a lot or not, I, I think his play has dropped off to be honest with you in the past month. Uh, I don't think he's still as hungry as he was when he started. Verbeek's the guy now that, that looks like he's hungry out there. He's playing like Lavalager uh, did the first month, you know, uh, to a certain degree, I think you, you have to be hungry. And I don't know, personally, I, I would demote uh, Lavalager for a bit. And uh, maybe he'd get that hunger back that we saw in the first month where he was driving to the net and, and doing all the little things. But certainly, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he's impressed a fair bit. Um, certainly in the first month, especially, uh, now maybe not as much, but, uh, another guy that, you know, that, uh, the coach really loves, he loves his Quebec. He loves his Quebec league guys. There's no doubt about that. You know, yeah. you see it, you see it, uh, throughout the lineup there. He, uh, he seems to almost give a preference to those guys. If there's, you know, guys that are close, like I, I've been frustrated the last two years at Verbeek never really got a chance till now. And now when you see him play, you, 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 you know, well, where the heck has he been? Why hasn't he been playing the last well, year? He didn't, no. he didn't play for the first couple of months. He never played a game for the first Not couple one. of months, did he? And last year he only played six and he was in the ECHL. Yeah. I, I watched him in, in the Sioux and he's just, uh, he never stops, you know. You'd wonder, I, I'm surprised that Bouchard hasn't loved him from day one. Uh, I think now uh, he's proven that you can't take him out of the lineup if uh, – you know, especially if there's not a 35 man roster to say, I like starting next year, hopefully he gets a full opportunity right from day one. He's another guy that I think could earn a NHL contract someday as a, he plays the type of style that I think he could be a fourth line guy. That's just pure energy. Does he play similar to his father? He does. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's uh, he's got a bit of a, you know, stocky uh no quit attitude uh not as talented as his dad yeah. obviously yeah. but uh he can skate and he you know he has a motor non-stop motor and i've been most impressed with him the last couple of weeks as a guy that uh i think is really coming on so who comes out then when caulfield goes in who do you think is the guy that's going to drop out of the lineup um lavalle you mean yeah, like when Caulfield comes into Laval's lineup, I think it's the fifth is what they're saying his first game will be. Who's coming out of that lineup? Well, they're, they're taking guys out every, you know, every night. They have like 35, you know, 33 guys or whatever. So Maybe a better question would be who would come out of the top six. Yeah. To, okay. to, yeah, that, to, that, to, that, to bring him question. in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be Harvey Panarin. Yeah. Okay. Would be my guess. And would you take Teasdale off Bay Paling's line? Because he said you want a Caulfield with him. Because Teasdale's been playing fairly well for a guy who had a broken leg all last year. But Oh, yeah. I mean, Caulfield compared to Teasdale, there's no, you know, if that's what the decision has to be, I don't think you hesitate with it. Yeah, Teasdale's been playing, you know. Another guy that maybe the last couple of weeks hasn't, has tailed off a bit too. But, uh, and his skating is still the issue for me. I don't know that he, you know, I keep getting asked, do you see him as a fourth line guy with the Habs down the road? You know, personally, I, I like Verbeek more, to be honest with you, is that kind of energy guy that can play a fourth line role and just give you those uh, hard minutes whenever he's on the ice. If, if I had a choice between the two right now, but uh, 
you know, he, he's got really good hands. He's good in close when he gets there, you know, uh, I just, I just have doubts that he's got the, the skating to play at the NHL level on a regular basis. Now the AHL is a really tough league. It's still, it's kind of a, a throwback to what the NHL was back in the nineties. There's a lot of big, tough guys. Um, we saw a little bit of it in the uh, the last Laval game where there were two fights right right at the same yeah. time. Um, I felt sorry for the cameraman there. He couldn't. Yeah. He needed a wide which angle one do you pick? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, which one? Which one? Oh, oh, there's a good <laughs> shot there. Oh, just pull back and watch both, I guess. Um, yeah. Now with Caulfield coming in, how how much more of an importance do they put onto guys, uh, the veteran guys like Blandisi, uh, Wallet? Baddock, Baddock being the tough guy that they brought in, how much more of an importance do you see in that? Yeah, well, it's possible that, uh, it, you know, that uh, Caulfield plays with Baddock or, or Pizzetta, you know, starting off. They might not even put him in a top six right off the bat. They might say, okay, we're going to put you with Baddock and, and whoever, you know, uh, there's your, there's a guy to protect you. Let's see how you do. We'll throw you on the power first power play and maybe third line. Uh, thing is right now with when Caulfield comes in, they've got a third line could be as good as, as the first line, you know, what it seems like every night, uh, like wheel can be the best center one night, uh, Blandisi or, uh, uh, Paling, you know, like a, you know, Vedamo when he comes back, uh, any of them can play like the, the top line center on any given night. So, you know, I don't know that Laval's top six, is set in stone it's more like a top nine and it just kind of varies from game to game so you could see him on a line with uh Vedamo and Baddock or something to start and say okay here's your protection uh you know we'll throw you on the first power play it it's going to be fun to see what what they do I'm hoping it's with Paling right away and say okay go guys uh you know we're going to develop you guys play you guys together right till you're ready for the NHL maybe even stay together at the NHL level, you know, like that's, you see that a lot through the years where a, a duo kind of develops together on the, at the AHL level and then eventually plays together in the NHL. So it could be, you know, two, two first round picks. Uh, I mean, uh, this season has been crazy for Bouchard that he must be, he mustn't get a lot of sleep some nights is who do I put in? What do I do? You know, who comes out, uh, it's it's just a crazy year in that regard. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he what he decides. And, and that's a good point, Grant. Not to cut you off there, Blaine. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, Montreal and Laval right now are so deep. Like both teams are. Like Montreal went to Foley and Stahl and Armia all ready to come back. You have a full line that could play NHL minutes on any other team, pretty much sitting in the press box or on the taxi squad. Whereas you go down to Laval when Vadimo, Yolanin, and Caulfield all come on again in Laval, you have almost a third, a full fifth line just, you know, sitting there waiting to come in. I don't remember the last time Montreal had that much depth on their main team, let alone their main team and their farm team. And it just, just goes to show, this may sound a bit homerish, but it just goes to show how well Bergevin and Timmons have done putting the two teams together and putting the depth into the organization. And then look, and then on top of that, look at um, if they like, say the WHL didn't have their season, you'd have Fairbrother in there and you'd have Gooley as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, 
most depth they've had since uh, Serge Fard was GM, I think, back in the back in the nineties. Uh, you know, uh, and I think that's that's so important. You gotta have the um, yeah. You, you gotta be able to have guys that should should be playing in the NHL that aren't, and then when they get called up, they can just step right into the lineup. And um, I think it's a big reason why both clubs are over six hundred. I, I tweeted the other day that it's the first time in the second half of the year that both teams have been over six hundred at a like at any point in the second half of the season. And uh, as far as a farm team being at seven fifty, Montreal has never, even the Nova Scotia Voyageurs of the the famous Voyageurs of the seventies, never had a seven fifty club you know it's crazy how good uh, Laval is right now um, maybe the best regular season club that uh, record wise that the uh, that the Canadians have ever had so that's encouraging do you think this team is better than the Calder winning Hamilton team I do yeah I I think so I think they kind of caught lightning in the bottle there and you know Carrie yeah Gary Price you know kind of stole that for him really you know um, yeah. yeah it's deeper for sure and um, especially when Caulfield comes in and he plays like we expect, yeah, they're uh, they're going to be quite a team. That's why I, I really hope that there's a there's a playoff. It's going to be uh, great for all these kids' development. Yeah, if they could figure out a playoff uh, for the AHL, I think that would be amazing. Um, that way, we can see more of Pizzetta's flow. That uh, that I think that hairstyle is probably one of the main reasons why Laval is doing so well, because he gets his helmet off in that fight, and it just it just flows. It's amazing. Interesting. Well, you know, he's he's a former Sudbury Wolf. I gotta I gotta pump his tires a little bit. Scouting oh, yeah. from Blaine Potvin. Yeah. <laughs> Draft this guy. I really love his hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's you know he, he looks like a wolf there uh, almost. Yeah. No, he. Uh, I love Pez. You know, he's great. Uh, great guy to have on your uh, AHL team. You know. I didn't mind the pick. I know people, oh, he doesn't have enough offense. Yeah, well, sixth round pick. You, you get a character guy that can that can uh, stick up for teammates and, and go out and give you energy on a bottom line role. I thought he was a perfect uh, perfect choice at the time, sixth round, instead of going for some 5'9 skilled guy that's never going to make the NHL that, uh, you know, um, back backseat scouts always want you to draft, you know. The eighty-point scoring five-nine guy that wouldn't check his hat. You know why didn't they pick him? Well, sometimes you got to pick guys for roles. You know, yeah. you want a you want a team uh, you want a team that uh, that has a bit of everything. And Pizzetta, Pizzetta's a team guy, and uh, I I love him. Great guy. The, people overlook that uh, the importance of those character players that play in those bottom six roles and what they can bring, especially AHL level. Um, like you mentioned, Pizzetta, he defends his teammates. He can, he can actually play a regular shift players like that. It's very important that they do add some of those guys and they can't all be uh, the veterans because with the veteran rule in the AHL, you gotta, you gotta deal with how many games they can play. You gotta have certain number of them versus uh, the the prospects. And it's a, it's a horrible balancing act that they have to go through to get these guys on the ice. Oh, for sure. And I like some of the picks uh, Timmons uh, and the staff have made in recent years uh, on defense, especially where, you know, Romanov, Gouli, Struble, all these guys, you know, uh, Fairbrother, 
they're <laughs> they're going to hit you and hit you hard. You know, like that defense core for the next decade uh, is going to be so fun to to watch. It's like uh, having four skilled Emelins in the lineup at the same time. You know, it's it's going to be. I'm really looking forward to how much they punish opponents in the in the future. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see one of them pull the old hip check out like Emelin used to do. Just get nice and low and just flip someone. Yeah, well, it's coming. They can't get as low as Treg, but you know they can get low. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to bend over. No. <laughs> Still take him out of the knees. <laughs> yep. Exactly. That's his go-to move. Yeah. My only move. So, uh, do you guys have any th- any last uh, questions for for Grant? I've got I one. Oh, I've go got ahead, one really quick. Um, with how well Laval has played this year, there's been a lot of um, it's a lot of been a, a lot of eyes on the coach. Can you see an organization maybe trying to pry Bouchard out of the uh, Canadians organization? Yeah, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, it I seems think... like he's a perfect fit right now with where he is, and he's yeah, doing such good I... things. Oh, for sure. And uh, you know, I think he's got he's got a lot of talent there too. You know, it's not like it, it's just been all Bouchard by any means. That's true. That's true. You know, like, I mean, he, you know, a guy like Verbeek comes in and can't even play for the first six weeks and looks like he should be in the top two lines on a lot of AHL teams, you know? So he's, he's dealing with a lot of, a lot of depth and a lot of talent right now. Uh, you know, it's a bit of both, but certainly, yeah, he, uh, great guy to talk to, you know, like those interviews when press conferences are just, you know, it, it, he's a, he's a um, journalist j- dream in that regard. You know, uh, I hope he does get a shot sometime. He seems like a, a real honest, uh, straight shooting, uh, emotional guy that, uh, you know, very passionate about the game. Um, I think he leans a little too heavily on, on the guys from the league and, you know, from the team that he used to coach and stuff. Yeah. I think that'll have to change from the, you know, he's not going to, uh, it's not going to be 10 Q guys uh, in the lineup in an NHL team. If he, if he gets to that point, you know, that if there was one downside to his, that I think needs to develop, it would be that, that you can't be biased in, in, in your evaluation. You have to pick the best players and, and go with them. Uh, but other than that, yeah, certainly um, he's developed uh talent really well but you know does that mean he can he can coach at the nhl level like you say it's kind of it's two different things right maybe this is the perfect perfect spot for him uh being a a great ahl coach but uh yeah it'd be nice nice to see him get the opportunity at some time but don't want that from personal uh point of view like no i want him to stay right where he is absolutely (laughs) To go back to drafting, just a quick here. Uh, how much in the recent drafting is Timmons making the call and Bergevin going with it? And like we've always said, re- under Gainey and under a few GMs, they pretty much made all the final decisions. Is Bergevin giving Timmons pretty much a you do the drafting and I'll just go with your word, or is he still? Yeah, did you see what we know what I'm getting at there, Grant? Or yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, I was with the club when Ganey was, uh, was um, you know, uh, when Trevor was working under Ganey, and I wouldn't say that the final decision, especially, especially for anything after the first pick, 
maybe on the first pick, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, like uh, Savard with Kostitsin, Andre Savard, maybe yeah. had a little bit of input on that. And uh, Ganey saying, yeah, take the goalie. But it's not like Trevor didn't like the goalie. He, like okay. he asked him, you know, should we take this guy or the, no, take the goalie? It was still up to Trevor. I don't know that he he's always been, uh, you know, he, he makes a final decision on, on the draft. Okay. Except, so, you know, it's always been that way. Um, maybe a couple of instances where he got input from uh, ownership or GM or whatever, but uh, no, he's been, uh, he he's the guy, you know, and I mean, I think he's been at the job way longer than anybody as far as a head scout for an, for one NHL team goals. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't think, I can't think of anybody that goes back to 90 or 2003 being the, uh, the, the head scout. Um, you, you know, I think Bergevin, they, they don't, they don't see these guys, right. They might see two or three games of the top guy, maybe at the world juniors. So they can't say, Oh no, that's the guy, you know, you, you got to leave it to the guys that are, that, that scout 200 games a year. And, and that are seeing these guys. Uh, Bergevin maybe puts his input in for the first round pick a bit, and that becomes part of it. But as far as uh, Trevor saying, oh, well, Bergie wants this, so that's who we're going to pick. I don't. I really don't think that's ever, ever happened. Okay. What I got. So I think that pretty much uh, exhausts our brain picking, brain teaser questions. Uh, can you give our listeners an idea of where they can find you and what they can expect from you in the, in the near future? Uh, they can find me in the living room. I'm, uh, you know, in front of my 70 inch screen TV watching hockey. Uh, what else do you want to know? What, uh, what projects are you uh, working on currently? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, right now I've uh, I kind of put on my draft cap and uh, seeing that there apparently there's going to be a draft uh, late July now. It's sort of been finalized uh, with the U18s coming up in April. I'm actually finalizing my first top 32. Um, I just didn't think it was fair up until now with the uh, OHL and, and WHL not playing to put together uh, even a top 32. It's just not fair to the kids that aren't playing. But at this point, I got to, I got to catch up with the other guys uh, to a certain extent and, you know, put something out there with a disclaimer saying OHL guys will be moving into here that we see, especially at the, uh, at the under 18s, there's a pile of them that are going to be playing that we haven't seen yet this year. And uh, I'm going to be working diligently on getting the draft guide together over the next three months, as well as covering the, um, you know, every Laval game and, and Habs game. So really, really going to be busy. I mean, Montreal plays just about every night here over the, over the next 30 days. So uh, it's going to be crazy busy, but we're going to be uh, driving the, you know, driving the girlfriend crazy there watching hockey about 18 hours a day. But, you know, she, she knew what she signed up for, right? You know, sometimes it's just a tough life, you know, having it, being forced to watch hockey that often. Uh, yeah, it is, it's yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's really tough. 
But uh, yeah, so for our listeners, uh, if anyone wants to get on to the day-to-day coverage of the Canadians and Laval, go check out recruits.ca. There's a ton of great content there. Uh, there's some amazing writers. Uh, I'm there sometimes. So uh, you said amazing writers. Yeah. And then that's, then I mentioned and myself like, afterwards. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd be remiss not to mention that, you know, while I'm doing this draft guide, uh, you know, uh, Danny, Danny Maher is uh, still doing his game recaps and he's been a godsend since he came on board there. It's like uh, two seconds after the end of the game, Luke get this email from, you know, he's written a friggin uh, tome, you know, uh, during the game, he's, uh, he's very prolific, a good writer. And I've been, uh, really, uh, blessed to have him on board to, uh, to cover all the games. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I realize you're a busy guy. You wear a lot of hats and you, you write for, uh, you know, unfortunately you write for someone else too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, your input's great when it, when I get it. And then all the scouts that, that they're working with me that are putting in their scouting reports. So it, I couldn't, uh, I certainly couldn't cover all three leagues by myself and it, it's great to have the help. Now for, for our listeners, when can we expect to get the, that, uh, in a general term, when do we expect to see that top 32 get posted to recruits? Well, I, uh, I had interviews with a couple NHL scouts on Friday and I'm transcribing the notes for the, like an hour and a half interview with one guy and 60 with another. So I'm, I'm getting all those notes together and going to be doing another eight hours or 10 hours of scouting of guys specifically that I think could be in the first round and try to get out a, uh, a list by Easter Monday so that, you know, everyone's sitting around that isn't working and needs something to do. Uh, you know, they can look at the recruits first top 32 of the, of the year. So, uh, Grant, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We, uh, we really appreciate your input. Um, I am looking forward to seeing uh, the final draft guide come out uh, in time for the draft. For me, it's, uh, it's something that I, ha- I always go out and buy every year. I think it's important that we get a better view of some of these prospects. So, again, thanks for coming on. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading your, your draft preview. I, I, I really appreciate all the support you guys have been giving me the last, uh, you know, couple of years there, all the retweets there, Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith, especially with that huge following you got there. So it's, <laughs> always, again. it's always really appreciated and uh, keep up the good work guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You too. And be sure to uh, subscribe to the recruits.ca YouTube channel, check out the Habs unfiltered YouTube channel. Uh, we're, we're starting to put out some more content, so please subscribe to that. Make sure you hit the little bell so you don't miss any uploads, especially when Treg Wilson is putting out his uh, his topless Tuesdays. Uh, and remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.
Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.